Welcome to the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. I'm your host, Lupna, also known as the Action Accelerator. The Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast is a weekly podcast where we give you insight into the personality of successful sushi adoring entrepreneurs, showing you that success is all about having fun in and with your business without the hustle and the grinding. And this week I have an amazing guest. I know I say this every week with every guest, but I truly believe they are. And this week I have Alicia Lane, and I hope I pronounced her name correctly. Alicia is the founder of Slow Fashion Bus. And the main mission behind this business is to inspire others to transform their clothing into joyful, unique, and durable garments. That sounds really interesting. She teaches you how to mend and upcycle clothes. She also creates unique garments from discarded fabrics and clothes. And this is her way to share the joy with others. Alicia had her first upcycling project around 25 years ago. Wow. She took her dad's t-shirt, chopped it into pieces. I hope he wasn't mad at you and made a top for herself. She loved working on it and little did she know that this will become her passion later in life. Alicia made a decision a few years ago to follow this passion. So now she inspires others to be creative and enjoy the journey too. Alicia, welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. Hello, Lubna, and thank you for having me. Wow, that was an introduction. Yeah, I can't believe it's my life story. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Um, To be very fair, when I get introduced onto shows, I'm thinking, are you talking about me? Are you sure? (laughs) But I have to ask. Was your dad mad that you chopped his t-shirt up in pieces? <laughs> no, no, it was really like a mutual agreement, you know, and my mom was helping in me, so it was all right, yeah. But tell us a little bit, how did it start? Where did you get the idea of upcycling clothes or chopping clothes up and making something new out of it? I don't really remember a specific point but what I know and what I know for sure is it makes difference that I grew in an environment I grew up in a house where my mom had sewing machine and she was sewing and also we had a knitting machine and my mom was knitting as well and so for me it was normal to grow up in this environment where my mom was mending and sewing and my grandma also was helping me a little bit and my mom had electric machine and my grandma had this hand wheel thing you know manual so yeah they both taught me whatever they could and whenever they could so it's really really important you know yeah for this and I just thought okay it's time to have my own project (laughs) one day yeah (laughs) yeah did you do anything else before you started with upcycling clothes I remember myself as a kid and creativity was always there and not only creativity but making something out of old rubbish Mm. I was making jewelry from bits and pieces, from old beads, and I was making handbags for me from my mom's old bags, and I was making soft toys from fabric leftovers. I was always there making something better from old stuff. And, you know, upcycling, the word upcycling means that you take one thing and you add different textures, materials, colors, And then you create something of better quality or better value for yourself. So your own 
input and opinion is really important. Yeah. So this is why we have this prefix up. So it becomes something better, you know. Yeah. So yeah. it can last longer. And uh, so, yeah, I think the word upside. And yeah, I didn't know what I was doing that was upcycling. And yeah. uh, it's just something that I love doing. Yeah. No, I can totally imagine. A friend of mine does upcycling of furniture. So she buys furniture pieces, tables, chairs, cabinets, whatever, and pieces that people have discarded. So they've thrown it away or they brought it to a shop to be sold for people that don't have that much. And her husband is actually the creative behind this upcycling project that they started. And he would add things. So he would really transform that piece. And I've seen some of the furniture that he's done is he would turn it into something that was graded, that was old, that was used. And just by adding a couple of elements, shaving a little bit, adding some pieces, giving it a different color, he would turn it into a piece of furniture that you think, oh my God, did you just, I mean, he would buy it for 10 euros, for example, because we're here in the Netherlands, but use the equivalent, whether it's pounds or yeah. dollars for you. And he would refurbish it and he would get people and he would take photos, put it on Instagram and he would get people to say, are you selling that piece of furniture? And he was like, what? And he was smart enough to say, but what would you pay for it? And people would absolutely offer hundreds of euros mm -hmm. for that piece of furniture. And he was like, oh my God, I just spent 10 euros to buy it, maybe 10, 15 euros for the paint and the job. Mm -hmm. And now people are offering me 100 euros to buy that. That's a 10x return on investment. And it started as a side hustle to really use and do that because for him, it's passion. And so upcycling is a very great and it's becoming more and more common. So instead of throw something out, which is perfectly fine or can be made fine mm. into something new that you can enjoy for much longer than you would have if you've just thrown it out or given it away. I really like yeah. that. Yeah. Would you go for something like that? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've seen the furniture that he's done and I was like, oh my God, I just love the way that it looks. I mean, he transformed a cabinet that's brown and used. You can see that at the color white or blue and it looks absolutely amazing. I'm like, that's actually a really good idea. If you can have someone whose passion and creativity is to do the upcycling. Yeah. Then you could have a piece of furniture. You made someone happy because someone did the work to create something new out of it. And I get to enjoy something that I would have thrown out. And what I love about what they do is they actually look for people who are out of a job or who have had trauma in their life. And they use the upcycling process to get them to be busy again to do something again and through that they teach them that they can create something meaningful because they might think that they're not good enough they don't have any work they're not contributing mm -hmm. to society but this is a way that they can so they're combining some of the social impact and the upcycling together into a foundation that supports people that need it definitely i cannot stress it enough when I speak about upcycling, for me, there are three main pillars of this. Yeah. First is financial benefit, then mental wellness and environmental. Oh, wow. I cannot say that this is one first and second, and that's not important. They're all equally very, very important for us. Yeah. Environmental, as an example, in the UK, 
I think it's around 300,000 tons of furniture, reusable furniture is discarded annually. Mm. Clothes, 650,000 tons on average. And this is really, it's something really, really important. And clothes, unfortunately, it's not something that can be recycled as well because of the way it's made fast fashion, poor quality, and only 1% of discarded clothing can be recycled annually. 1%. This is nothing. And definitely mental wellness benefits always. It's your creativity, your self-expression, it's stress relief. Even for me, you know, I have two boys, uh, three and five-year-olds. Yeah. Of course, they drive me crazy every day, many <laughs> times, you know. And if I do 10, 15 minutes stitching before I go to sleep, it relaxes me. I, you know, I have solid sleep during the night and I focus and really, really, it puts me in a place where I want to be. And of course, if anyone would work on their own project, it's a skill that not everyone can do. And this will be a boost of confidence and people will be proud of themselves. And, you know, if you hear this compliments and people say, oh, wow, of course, mm-hmm. definitely that's something that not everyone can do. And for me, raising awareness is a really, really big part of it. I make sure I get dressed in the way that people notice my clothes and people ask me about it. And mm-hmm. then I tell them what happens what can be done and it's so simple there's simple absolutely simple and easy things that can be done with clothes to extend its lifespan Mm -hmm. even if you know take a pair of jeans it's very very common piece of clothing that we have in our wardrobes and it takes around 3,000 gallons of water to make one pair of jeans average globally wow that's a lot taking into account that we drink 15 gallons Per exactly, month exactly. Wow. On average. So instead of taking your favorite jeans to a charity shop, upcycle them, it's possible to make them one size bigger, one size smaller. There is nothing too complicated. And you can add decoration if you're bored seeing this pair of jeans all the time. Add some color, add yeah. some simple thing, trims. Yeah. Men's tie. It's one meter of fabric and it's narrow maybe five, seven centimeters, those mm-hmm. new tires. And mm-hmm. if it's old style, and it's going to be a bit wider. And the one, I don't know, I have it for my live shows and it has some characters, yeah. <laughs> Chinese yeah. characters. Yeah. It's yeah. really nice. So that's really nice fabric. So you can add it as a patch or as a turn up on your jeans and they will look different and they will add color because as I noticed, I'm reading a book now, it's called Joyful, Ingrid Feta Lee. Yeah. And she speaks a lot about how color affects us. Yeah. And when I have school drop off, I think I'm the brightest <laughs> among all moms <laughs> in the queue. Oh, Seriously. <laughs> I don't know why it's like this, but really, I have this funny fuchsia color coat and cobalt blue. And, you know, and my jeans that I wear now, I made them from two pairs of jeans that are exactly the same. I'm going to be funny and I'm going to show you. So that's one leg and that's the other leg. <laughs> so yeah, color affects us and our mental wellness. And so wear something joyful every day. Yeah. Do something joyful every day. Have a hobby, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. It can be sewing, it can be knitting, it can be sushi eating. <laughs> oh yeah, most sushi, definitely. Sushi colorful, yeah. And look at something joyful, really. Yeah. So yeah. 
and your day will be much brighter. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's true. And I've read a book last week, or I've started reading a book last week that says that you can use clothes to gain confidence. So for example, yeah. you're up for a presentation. Now, it's barely a very good example in this global pandemic time, but you're up for a presentation and you're feeling a little bit anxiety around the presentation. And in this book, and I've heard this before, is wear something that gives you confidence, where you feel empowered. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, that is a bright pink jacket. And I usually do not wear pink. My favorite colors are black and marine blue and dark blue. But if now and then I've got a speech coming up or even an appointment with someone that I'm not sure about and I'm feeling a little bit jittery about, I wear that. I just put it over, over the black or the blue that I'm wearing. And it really makes me feel instantly empowered. I'm like, okay, let's go. It's literally like Wonder Woman. So there is power in having pieces of clothing and whether it's bright colored or you feel more comfortable with black and then a neutral color whatever it is for you you can use clothes or something else that you can wear i mean this person uses glasses they don't need glasses but mm -hmm. they say every time i do that i feel that empowerment i feel that confidence and i can go into negotiating with a certain power with a certain confidence with a certain bravo that i wouldn't be able to do if i didn't have the glasses so i think you're absolutely onto something because upcycling can give you the opportunity mm -hmm. and the possibility to turn a piece of garment doesn't matter what it is into something that gives you that power instead of it draining you even more in terms of energy so i think it's very very powerful stuff yeah you can adjust the color of the garment in the way you like I think I have one blazer here. It was just dark navy blue blazer. Uh -huh. And that's men's tie that you can use. I cut, crop the sleeves, added this half, and then I changed the buttons yeah. to bright yellow ones. Yeah. And that's embroidery on the back. Yeah. It makes the theme. Absolutely yeah. amazing. It's just abundance that the color gives us. Abundance. And as the book says, the joyful book, abundance means survival for us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I really love it. And you tapped already into it. A sushi can be a great way to ah, uh, yeah. spice up the life. And considering we are on the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast, I want to segue into sushi. Can you tell us what your favorite sushi is and why? I think I would prefer salmon. Uh-huh. And it's probably going to be nigiri or yep. sashimi. Uh-huh. I like also something like California rolls, uh, maybe with spicy sauce and avocado and maybe tuna. But my first choice, I think it's always sushi with salmon. salmon. Yeah, I love that. And how did you discover your passion for sushi? It's a long story. <laughs> I've been living in the Middle East for 10 years, around 10 years in Dubai. Yeah. And of course, that's the place that is you know, celebration of different cultures, different foods, different clothes. And I didn't really think about trying sushi, but we went out with my friend and then he ordered sushi and he asked me, okay, do you want to try? I said, mm, no, not really. <laughs> and then I went out myself and I was curious and I got it. The first thing I remember, it was really interesting taste of pickled ginger. Uh -huh. It was really weird. And I liked it. 
I really did. And uh, then later on, when my parents came to visit me in Dubai, I took them to a restaurant for Friday brunch. I think there was a time when my mom came first and then they came together with dad next year. So I took my mom to Friday brunch and Friday brunch in Dubai was, it's kind of late breakfast. It starts maybe 10, 11, uh-huh. up to 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. And you have open buffet of food. And <laughs> it's like tables, tables of food. And you take your plate and you go around and around and around. And you go and eat your food and then you take your plate and you go around again. <laughs> and then my mom said, okay, I'm going to have sushi. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, me too. And I think starting from this point, not really when I had it on my own, because mm. it was not really wide choice of different types of sushi when I tried it myself. Yeah. But with my mom at this restaurant, there were different types and there was special counter and there was a Japanese guy who was making sushi. And the way he was making it, it's like he was telling me that, or oh, he invented this new role with this and this and this. And he was telling me what's inside and he was like treating those pieces of sushi like little babies, little yeah. kittens, little something, you know. I was looking at him, I was like, oh, that's passion. <laughs> I wanted to try all of them, you know. <laughs> I remember this guy really, like now, I'm standing in front of this counter and this fridge and those different bits and spices and black cumin. And I remember this guy, oh, and he's telling me, oh, and this is a new one with this, 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 this. You would you like to try? I said, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I tried a lot and I loved it. And later on, I discovered Japanese culture. It's related to my upcycling and thing. But at this point, this guy was completely into the process and he was so passionate about it. And probably as well that he was from Japan as well, yeah. that, yeah. you know, because they grow up in this culture and they soak it up and this attitude, this mentality. So, yeah, that's how it all started. And then I tried a lot of different things, different roles, and just I like salmon, yeah, tuna sometimes. And then also funny part when I was expecting our first kid, it was in Dubai. Yeah, he was born in Dubai. The second one was born in the UK, uh-huh. and. I was really careful with eating sushi. Yeah. And I think I still had some very rare, but if I really wanted, there was an option veggie or with the chicken. Yeah. 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 I know. Yeah. It, I could totally imagine a friend of mine when she found out she was pregnant, we went for sushi dinner. We went specifically to a restaurant where they had a lot of grill and grilled salmon and that type of thing, because as she was pregnant, she didn't want to take the risk. And the restaurant had said, they said, you can eat raw fish if it's really fresh. There's no problem at all. But she didn't want to take the risk. She was like, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable doing it. And I had ordered salmon because I like salmon. I like tuna more, but I like salmon too. And I usually say just with sushi, that's how I love to take sushi, is just order it. And if I don't remember what I ordered, so just eat. I'm not the type that goes, oh, but that's the one I ordered and that's yours. I'm like, it's sushi. Have at it. Just taste. Go for it. I mean, 
usually it's all you can eat here. So you can order it again anyway. So let's not make that fuss. And we were talking, blah, 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 blah. And she literally took up a little salt, put it in her mouth. And we were talking, blah, blah, blah. And as she was chewing, she noticed that it was salmon. She was so shocked. She was like, (gasps) threw it out of her mouth. And I was laughing. I'm like, what? Just keep going. She said, no, it's salmon. So, yeah, I can get you to eat sushi even if you don't want to. <laughs> but <it's just laughs> yeah, completely distracting you through you conversation. Yeah. But, yeah, it really is. And I've got some of my friends who were pregnant. We're like, oh, my God, I can't have sushi. I want to have yeah, sushi. <laughs> but it was, everything was okay at the end, yeah? Yeah, yeah, no, she was fine. I mean, she spit it out in a, in a handkerchief and I said, just just throw it out. If you don't want to take the risk, just don't do it. There's no problem at all because it was already said that that salmon was very fresh. So even mm-hmm. if she had swallowed it, there wouldn't be a very big problem. Yeah. Anyways, but she was very mindful. She didn't want to take the risk and I respect that. I mean, it's your yeah. body, your pregnancy. I mean, who am I to judge? But really, but I want to get back to what you said because I'm reminded of someone asked me on an interview, he said, do you make your own soup? sushi and I'm like no and they were like but you are passionate about sushi and I said yes I'm passionate about eating sushi because if you know what it takes to become a sushi chef in Japan it's not like come here I'll teach you sushi and that's it it is a year's worth of practice before you become an established sushi chef so that means that the person that is making the sushi is very passionate about making that sushi it's a piece of art that they're constructing out of different ingredients and i'm passionate about eating sushi because i love it but i'm not that passionate about wanting to learn it Mm -hmm. so that means if i were to make the sushi myself it wouldn't taste the same yeah because there's not that energy of that passion into so i love what you shared about that japanese chef is if you see that passion you'll enjoy it more you'll be more curious because you want to experience what that person is experiencing by saying oh but i'm making this and i've designed that and i want to do this so i really love that you mentioned that and i love that it was in dubai i want to go to dubai Yeah, now it's probably a different place with all those things that we have going on. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice place to visit, but I've been there for 10 years, so I've had enough. I'm not sure if I ever go there again, even for a holiday, because I've seen it all inside yeah. out. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could totally imagine it places to explore in yeah world. no no i could tell i was pre-covid one of the trips that i planned for this year was a trip to dubai because mm. i've never been but then covid came and so we could i couldn't so maybe next year maybe next year <laughs> Yeah. So one of the goals of the podcast is that we want to give insight into the personality of successful, seriously adoring entrepreneurs. And we do that in a very special way because we would like to know if you, Alicia, your personality were a sushi, what would the ingredients be? Oh, I like wasabi. I don't know why it makes me cry. (laughs) Well, of course. And I just like it. And I put quite enough to make sure I have tears. So yeah. I could say that I make others cry, like, you know, personality <laughs> that I, or something. I'd rather make people laugh so they cry. Yeah. <laughs> Ingredients, I like black cumin, mm. rice, yeah, salmon, 
salmon because the texture is really soft and some sort of creamy and uh, so it's a roll or is it uh, is it a roll yeah. or is it a hand roll is the nigiri is the maki yes it's a messy creative roll <laughs> <laughs> i love that because you know creativity it's messy stuff i have a lot yep. of messy stuff around me now yep. you cannot see it but it's in front of me because i'm fixing a banner for our rotary club yeah as I go, so creative mess, definitely. Creative mess, okay, I love and it. Colors, maybe some pickled beetroot in between, um, ginger, pickled ginger, yeah, definitely on the side. Wasabi, green color, mm. very positive color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Roll and uh, avocado, I like mm-hmm. avocado. Mm-hmm. It's also nice and soft texture because I'm good, I'm nice and soft and fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah salmon avocado rice roll with black cumin uh, black color it's some sort of elegance for some people so uh-huh. for some occasions yeah. we have black color yeah yeah that would be it probably yeah <laughs> okay cool would there be any difference if i were to ask you if your business was a sushi what would the ingredients be oh uh, I don't know. I would be really willing to go for all extreme stuff. Maybe add something sweet to sushi, uh-huh. date even. Maybe not. Maybe figs. I would try maybe figs. Oh. Um, but something that would be sweet and spicy at the same time. So if I would add dates and sushi on the menu, they would be probably in a roll together with some spicy stuff. Okay, cool. Very uh, nice. So, yeah, sweetness should be there as well, I think. Yeah. Oh, I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. One of the rolls that we have here in the Netherlands in sushi restaurants is a salmon mango roll. Yeah, wow. And I always thought, mango and salmon? Really? And then that piece of rice underneath. But it's become one of my favorites. It's so delicious. The combination of the softness of the salmon and the sweetness of the mango, whether it's a slice of mango or mango sauce, you can have them in both. I'm like, oh my God, that's really good. I can totally imagine your sweetness and spicy combination that is your business. (laughs) Was it mango like perfectly ripe, yeah, and soft kind of thing, yeah? Wow. Oh, yeah, that's interesting as well, yeah. And also color, yeah? Yeah, yeah. No, it looks great because you've got the mango yellow, orangey, and then the salmon, that's pink, Mm -hmm. and then the white rice. But I was like, well, that's a weird combination, but it's actually really good. It really is very, very, very good. So as we wrap up, Alicia, what are some of the tips that you want to give to people that are listening, thinking about upcycling? I mean, you can see my clothing closet behind me. If I were to open it and think, okay, how do I start? What would you tell me? I think, yeah, a lot of your listeners are sushi lovers, I guess, yeah? Yes. If you're a sushi lover... I think then you like the door, maybe Japanese culture. And there is one thing in Japanese culture, it's called sashiko. Mm-hmm. And it's a very old type of stitching. I think 16th century or something, first records about it. And this was the way of preserving and appreciating the fabric. Mm-hmm. And it's considered also a slow stitching meditation because mm-hmm. the girls who were learning to do sashiko stitching 
they were training to be patient and it's like some sort of perseverance training as well. And it's really, really good. And this is how they were making their clothes warmer. They were adding layers of fabric and they were stitching it. And I will show you one example and then you will see what I mean. Uh, the stitching looks a little bit like rice grains. Oh. This one of the patterns, there are specific patterns to follow in Sashiko. Some of them, they're just like freehand artwork, birds and flowers. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of them are very geometrical and very organized. Mm-hmm. And the similarity is either rice grains or snowfall behind the window, winter. Mm-hmm. So to make clothes warmer, you add piece of fabric on the other side and that's you stitch and then with the time the fabric fibers are getting into the mm-hmm. background fabric sorry thread fibers are getting into background fabrics and it blends together and becomes a thread becomes a part of the fabric mm-hmm. so this is a really really great part of Japanese culture and if you would like to try upcycling you will definitely love it try to do something with your jeans indigo coloring jeans it's very popular and still taking place in japan in traditional way intensive labor they grow plant and they dry it and then you know different shades but it's very dark blue in most cases mm-hmm. so try to preserve your jeans and do a few stitches check sashiko it's absolutely beautiful it's amazing and there is just one interesting fact about also Japanese culture that I learned when I went to Sweden mm-hmm. last November to Rituna Mall. Mm-hmm. It's the world, world's first recycling mall, mm-hmm. Rituna, and tourists are coming there to check, and tourists from Japan, they do not understand why anyone would give their items away. Yeah. So this is... And that's in Japan how they upcycle their clothes, and then when it's not wearable, they change it into aprons mm-hmm. as well with sashiko stitching. They adjust things and turn it into aprons and then bags or cleaning clothes, depending what's happening. But sashiko is really amazing way to preserve things, make them better and make them last longer. Yeah. So if you would like to try upcycling, mending, you just need the thread and the set of needles. You don't need a sewing machine, so don't worry about that. Mm. You can check with your friends, maybe, who love knitting and crocheting. Maybe they can give you some yarn leftovers, and you can do some embroidery with the yarn and blunt needle on your jeans or your jumper. Christmas is coming. Yeah. Don't buy a new jumper. Yeah. Just upcycle your old one, add some color, and nobody will notice that you're wearing the same jumper as you did last year. So trust me, people don't remember it. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, and and you're right. I mean, to be fair, I've got a couple of basic sets that I just mingle and match. And people are like, oh, did you buy new clothes? And I'm like, no, I've had this for years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And because you can transform something, we are very preoccupied with, oh, but people will remember that I wore that last year or three months ago. And I'm like, change it a little bit. You can patch something on it. You can stitch on something on it. If you want to do more of that, you can change it into color or just do something and transform your outfit in a great way. So Alicia, thank you so much for sharing your passion around upcycling clothes and your sushi passion, of course. Oh, yeah. As we wrap up, if people want to know more about you, where can they find you? 
I have a website called slowfashionboss.co.uk mm-hmm. and the Facebook group also Slow Fashion Boss Upcycle and Mend. It's Facebook uh, where I run live sessions, share my projects, some useful information. And you can find all my social media links, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Etsy, on my website on the first page. It's slowfashionboss.co.uk. Okay, cool. Well, we'll make sure that we'll add that to the description with this episode. So people that are listening and thinking, oh my God, that went way too fast. I don't know what she said. (laughs) can just click and go to your website. Alicia, thank you for being on our podcast. And for those of you, thank you for listening to another episode of the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. And we would love to know what has been your biggest takeaway from the conversation with Alicia. Do take a moment and share this with us in our Facebook group, the Entrepreneur Sushi Club. You will find the link in the description with this episode. And if you know someone who will benefit from listening to this episode, please do share it with them. For now, have fun and see you on the next episode.